welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 53. Today is Tuesday, October 6th, 2020. I'm your host, William Galloway. I'm glad you decided to listen to the Galloway Podcast and get a preview on what's going on in the world of college football, specifically Alabama this week as the Crimson Tide heads to Oxford to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. We'll talk to Parrish Alford, who's a beat reporter covering Ole Miss and has since the Eli Manning day. So we'll talk to Parrish here in a moment. As always, we're going to start with what's new. And as this fall, we were planning to go around the SEC scoreboard and what happened this past weekend. So we will review some of those games. We'll talk to Parrish. And then as we always do, we'll end up going around Alabama athletics, giving you an update of what's going on with different sports here in Tuscaloosa. Let's start with what's new. And before we do, I want to remind everybody the Galloway podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So check it out on those three platforms and be sure to share it on your social media. What happened this weekend? Well, South Carolina went on the road and lost to Florida 38-24. Kyle Trask with another impressive game through the air. And the Florida Gators are making some noise this season. 2-0 and just a, a solid performance over a struggling South Carolina team. Um, questions around Will Muschamp, you know. It, it, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, Florida's a very good team, and I don't think anyone was expecting South Carolina to go into the swamp and win. So Florida and Kyle Trask just taking care of business there. Now, what happened elsewhere in the East? Well, Tennessee got the best of Missouri, kind of as expected, 35-12. to 12, And Tennessee 2-0, and Missouri now 0-2. Missouri's just got a tough, tough year ahead of them. Um, Alabama obviously got the best of Texas A&M in Brian Denny for the home opener, 52-24. to Now let's just talk about Mac Jones for a minute here. Four passing touchdowns, 435 passing yards, 181 of those ended up in the hands of John Mechie. And, I mean, Mechie, Waddle broke loose. Obviously, Devontae Smith is always a target. This Alabama offense is, I dare say, better than projected. I mean, Everyone knew it would be pretty dynamic, but Mac Jones, whether or not you want to say he's having a breakout year, he's really successful. He's got weapons all over. He's behind one of the best offensive lines in the country. And, you know, I'm not saying you or or I could do what Mac Jones is doing, but Mac Jones' job is made so much easier by who he's playing with and who he's playing for because – those guys just allow him to throw the ball up and do a great job. Now, he's a playmaker, and he's got a strong arm, and he's got really good field vision. And obviously, he's a really smart player and a really good leader. And so he's got the full package. Mac Jones just really has it going on for him this year. He's doing a great job. I really am interested to see what's going to happen with Bryce Young and and how much of him we're going to see this season. Because right now, it's been all Mac, and he's done an incredible job, and he's deserving of being the starter. And he has the experience. Um, But when you've got a guy who was as talented in high school uh, as anyone in Bryce Young, what? how do you incorporate him? I mean, Alabama's just got weapons all over the place. So the Crimson Tide, 2-0. and The Aggies fell to 1-1 and in the 24-52 to loss this past weekend in Tuscaloosa. Ole Miss, Kentucky. Ole Miss won that one in overtime, 42-21. to And Matt Corral is uh, having – is making Nick Saban scratch his head a little bit. On Monday in the press conference, Nick Saban talked about the concerns he has um, in this week's matchup, and he just kept mentioning Matt Corral and the the amount of points that they're able to put up, 42 on the road at Kentucky. And uh, it, it's Saban is, is 
I don't want to say really, really concerned, but he's he's cautious, as he should be, because Elaine Kiffin offense is, is something that he knows as well as anybody is something that you need to be fully prepared for. And if there's anyone in college football that's going to be fully prepared for a game, we know it's Nick Saban. So we'll talk about Ole Miss and the game, their game versus Kentucky and obviously the matchup this week versus Alabama with Parrish Alford here in just a moment. LSU got on the right side of the scoreboard, defeating Vanderbilt on the road in Nashville 41-7. to Not much to to say there other than Miles Brennan was able to pass for 337 yards um, and and LSU trying to bounce back in, in, in as best of a way they can after an embarrassing loss at home versus Mississippi State as defending national champions. That's just that still wows me that Mike Leach was able to go down to Baton Rouge and and do what he did to that LSU team. Now Mississippi State on the other hand after a really good first game uh kind of laid an egg versus Arkansas. I mean they lost. Arkansas got the best of them 21 to 14 and KJ Costello goes from 623 yards through the air to 313 at home and I think this is more impressive to talk about Arkansas side because Arkansas hadn't won an SEC game in I think it was 3 seasons. It was an absurd amount of days since they'd won a conference game. Um, but beating Mike Leach and Mississippi State in Starkville, who had previously beaten the defending national champions, is a huge win for Arkansas and Sam Pittman. So that's a look back at what happened this weekend and a couple of my big takeaways. Let's go ahead and jump to our conversation with Parrish Alford now here on the Galloway Podcast, episode 53. A reminder, the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. I'm joined now by Parrish Alford, who's an Ole Miss beat reporter, has covered Ole Miss for Parrish how many years now? Oh, since 2002, so about 18 years. Uh, Eli was a junior. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, how are you doing? Thank you for, for joining the call here. I uh, appreciate you coming on. I'm doing fine, please. Now, I joined the call because I, I, I heard that you give out full moon to your guests. Is that right? I, I get, is there going to be some full moon in this format? Come, come see me in Tuscaloosa, and we can definitely go get some full moon, some of the best barbecue for sure. Not, uh, that, uh, that, that sounds good. That sounds good. We'll, we'll, make it, we'll make a plan to do that. So, Parrish, want to start off here asking you um, – Ole Miss coming off a big road win at Kentucky this weekend and overtime. What do the Rebels have to do in this game against Alabama to take that, um, what they did in last week's win in Lexington into Oxford against Alabama this week? Well, they definitely need to execute their offense at a high level. They need to execute better than they did really at at Kentucky. They were able to score 42 points and uh, they, they moved the ball well, but they didn't move it throughout the game. There were times that they bogged down, they got behind, they were down by two touchdowns, and I really didn't think they were going to win at that point because they weren't stopping anybody on defense. And that's kind of been uh, the issue. As dynamic as uh, the offense has been, the defense has been uh, in the other direction. Uh, but uh, in order to threaten Alabama, they're going to need to execute at a high level offensively because they're just not there defensively. So they're going to have to match what Alabama does on offense to to stay in the game. 
Let's talk about that Ole Miss offense, and we'll get to the defense here shortly. But Matt Corral, somebody that Coach Saban brought up in his press conference uh, yesterday on Monday, just saying how he can cause problems and how Lane Kiffin is an offensive-minded coach. What does Matt bring to the table as a quarterback, and what problems um, does he present for Alabama? Well, I tell you what, he just looks like a totally different quarterback uh, from last year. Now, last year he was kind of a square peg in a round hole, they were running the ball 63% of the time under Rich Rodriguez. So they, you know, the passing game in general looked uh, uh, pretty weak last year. So different scheme, different year, and he looks like the quarterback that, uh, that they thought they had signed uh, a couple of years ago. Big arm, uh, kind of tough guy, uh, a better runner than he was a year ago, a lot of pocket presence. Uh, he's been able to avoid a lot of pressure when the pocket has collapsed and scrambled for big gains. That's been a big part of his game. He's been pretty accurate for the most part, but uh, you know, within that accuracy, he hasn't always placed the ball uh, where he can to give the receivers the best chance to make big plays. So that you know, you know, sometimes you see a receiver making a catch on a ball behind him or or if you're trying to swing it out there a little bit high and not really able to get a, a head of steam going if you're the back coming out of the backfield. So, look, that's really kind of uh, being nitpicky for a guy who's come as far as uh, Matt Corral has really in a year's time. But uh, he's been really good for two games. And his receivers have been good as well, obviously leading the nation right now in I believe it's receiving yards per game. What can you tell me about Elijah Moore and the wide receiver core for Ole Miss and um... – just what they what they bring to the table as playmakers for that Lane Kiffin offense. Elijah Moore, uh, really a, a slot receiver, runs good routes. He's quick. He's fast. He gets you know he gets open, but he has good hands, and that's the first thing you want from a receiver is catch the ball, man. Just catch the ball, and and Elijah does that uh, consistently, and and he's able to uh, get his catches and yards even when he's been the focus of. Uh, of the other defenses scouting reports. So that's been good. Now, Ole Miss this year in two games under Lane Kiffin has not rotated receivers in and out like they have in years past. It's been a, a tighter knit group. And uh, through the in, in the first two games, they've been able to find that third receiver to really kind of uh, elevate and contribute, but it's been different people. Now, the tight end has been there, Kenny Yeboah, both games, and, and uh, they'll They'll find him again against Alabama. They'll try to make him a big part of the game. But that, uh, that third option there uh, was Dontario Drummond, one split in against uh, Florida, had two catches. Both were touchdowns, long balls uh, in that game. But they didn't target Drummond much uh, against Kentucky. They went the other direction to Jonathan Mingo, a, a talented sophomore, uh, highly recruited uh, two years ago. And he had a career game with eight catches and just really – showed the physicality that uh, that has kind of marked his game while he has underachieved uh, for you know through his first year uh, but really kind of a breakout game from Mingo so while they're not rotating a lot of people they're able to find that uh, second and third target to uh, to really get involved and make plays and Parrish, I want to ask you, just because this Alabama secondary has had a lot of questions, they've kind of proven themselves in some situations, um, not really playing a full game up to Coach Saban's standard, but how do you see this Alabama secondary um, trying to handle this dynamic uh, Ole Miss offense? 
Well, I think they're going to uh, give a lot of attention to Elijah Moore. I'm sure they'll bracket him and do some different things like that to try to to limit his touches. And and after that, uh, if if you're you know you're uh, allocating your resources that way, then it's probably going to leave some one-on-one matchups for uh, for Jonathan Mingo, uh, Dontario Drummond, and you know it's going to be are are they up to the challenge? You know who's going to win those one-on-one matchups and you know, could result in some big plays for Ole Miss or some big stops uh, for Alabama. And if they take away the passing game, it's going to make it uh, really difficult to run. And Ole Miss is pretty deep at running back, uh, but they didn't get as much done in the run game as they would have liked against Kentucky. They're really kind of evolving on the offensive line right now, and that's, that's their biggest issue on offense. I remember, I think it was the last time Alabama played at Ole Miss uh, and when – Ole Miss scored on that first possession, and the offense was not afraid to attack um, early. And I think Ole Miss took that 7-0 lead on their on their first possession, and that was two or three plays into the game. They were attacking and picking on that Alabama secondary, so wouldn't be surprised to see that again. Is that wide receiver versus Alabama defense um, the biggest threat that Ole Miss poses to Alabama this Saturday, or do you believe it's in some other facet of the game? No, I think it'll be the, the wide receivers. It'll be in the passing game, but it'll be a different style than the last time Alabama visited uh, Oxford. It, it won't be as vertical as that and taking the deep shots like that. It, it will be more attacking the middle of the field, uh, trying to get the ball to Elijah Moore, uh, trying to get the ball to uh, Kenny Yaboa, the tight end. And, uh, you know, they'll take uh, – they will take what the defense gives them to a degree. All coaches say that, but they're really going to work to get the ball to Elijah Moore. And then obviously the number uh, from Nick Saban now is at 20. He's 20 and 0 versus former assistants. And the Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban relationship is a story in and of itself. I mean, we can sit here and talk about that for an hour. Um, But if Lane Kiffin is able to do it, uh, and, and, and come out on top against Alabama this Saturday, what is he going to have to do to be able to succeed and try and cut that number to 20 and one? Yeah, he's going to have to go bring in like uh, 12 defensive players, like sometime this week uh, and get a different cast in there. Lane Kiffin's not going to win this game, but it won't be about coaching. It's going to be about personnel. They're just not there on defense right now. Uh, Ole Miss recruited a lot of talent on offense in recent seasons, but uh, they are not where they need to be defensively. They lost a couple of productive defensive tackles last year. They did not have the depth to uh, replace Benito Jones and Josiah Coatney from last year's team, and that's kind of showing up right now. So it's really going to be uh, – it's just not a good personnel matchup uh, for the Ole Miss defense against the Alabama offense. I think that's going to – prevent Lane Kiffin from breaking that streak this weekend. It's an impressive streak now. I mean, it's a lot of different names in there. And, uh, you know, and most of those scores were not close. You know, I think it was a three-point overtime uh, win against Georgia. I think, uh, you know, there was a touchdown win against Georgia in there another time. But uh, most of the scores in those 20 games are not close. Uh, For Ole Miss to make this one close, like I said, they're going to have to really do the things they do on offense well. And, you know, we see what kind of offense Alabama has. Ole Miss is going to have to match that. And talking to reporters different weeks now for um, for these interviews that I'm doing, playing Alabama is is a daunting task for any program unless you're the likes of 
you know, Clemson, Ohio State, obviously Alabama's played Clemson four years in a row, but what is it about playing Alabama? Um, that, what, what's most difficult or most daunting um, for a school, not just like Ole Miss, because Ole Miss plays Alabama every year in the SEC West, but what's the biggest challenge to play the Crimson Tide? Well, I, th I think the biggest challenge is, uh, look, if you're a school like Ole Miss right now, you know, you're trying to get to the level of Alabama recruiting, all right? So you go into this game knowing that uh, you're not going to have quite the depth. I mean, Ole Miss has playmakers, most of them on offense. They have uh, fewer of them on defense right now. But uh, the bottom line is when you don't have that depth, you have to have your starters play at peak performance. They have to play – their best game and, you know, and, and not their best three quarters. They've got to be consistent uh, from end to end in the game. And, you know, consistency, uh, you know, from game to game is kind of hard to achieve. And, and uh, you know, the elite athletes find a way to do that. Uh, but, uh, you know, four teams that are not at the same level recruiting, you've got to find – you've got to take your guys and they've got to have their best game for 60 minutes. Last question for you, Parrish, here. I want to ask you about the game day atmosphere. So when Alabama goes on the road, I kind of want to get a taste and a sense from your perspective, from the opponent's perspective of what it's going to be like. So what can you tell me about Vault-Hemingway, uh, the Grove, Oxford in general? What's it going to be like this weekend, given the circumstances? Well, I'll tell you what, when you come into town, you need to identify the storm shelters, wherever those are, because, uh, you know, the hurricane's coming and they'll make a decision later in the week. It'll be a tro of tropical depression strength by the time it gets to North Mississippi. But, uh, you know, I know officials from both schools are looking at that, and they'll t make a decision on that later in the week. Game day atmosphere, uh, everything has taken a hit with COVID. So, you know, nothing outside the stadium, no tailgating, not just, you know, nothing at all that would uh, constitute uh, people standing in a group. So it looks just really different in that regard. Inside the stadium, uh, you'll see some, uh, some cardboard cutouts. Uh, Ole Miss has done some of that. Uh, some schools have, so uh, they'll have a, a few of those uh, this week. And, you know, they'll let about uh, 16,000 in the stadium, or they'll have that many tickets available. They probably uh, won't sell all of those tickets, uh, you know, I wouldn't think, with uh, the, the threat of weather. If they keep the game at, uh, at 5 o'clock, uh, that, that might limit that crowd further. But – there would be about 16,000 tickets available. Uh, capacity at Vaught-Hemingway is 64038. Gotcha. Well, Parrish, thank you so much for helping me preview this game and get a little sense from the old Miss side. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely have to get some of that full moon barbecue next time you're in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm all about it. So I try to, try to hit up full moon when I'm that way. So thank you, William. Have a good day. A good conversation with Parrish Alford there. Really appreciate him taking the time to preview this game and take time out of his week of preparation and Saturday and what's going to be very unexpected in terms of conditions because of this weather coming through. But we got a good breakdown of the game there and appreciate his insight. As we always do now, we want to go around Alabama athletics. On the last podcast, we told you about Ja'Shawn Holt, who signed with Alabama men's basketball. Well, another week another recruit, J.D. Davison, an in-state guard slash forward. He plays, you know, mainly the guard position, um, but but he's he's tall enough to play a forward. And in-state, 
uh, goes to the Calhoun School, won a state championship this year, is one of the most impressive high school players that I've seen in the, in, in recent years um, dominate. I mean, he just took over the state finals this year when I was able to see him. He's going to be a great player for Alabama, committed for that 2021 class. So Nate Oates, Brian Hogston, Antoine Petway, and Charlie Henry doing a great job building that 2021 class. They've now got two guys in two weeks. The question now is, is who's next? We'll just have to see. So Alabama men's basketball Getting ready for its season, I believe, just 50 days away from tip-off on the day that we're recording. Alabama soccer, meanwhile, is 1-2 and two on the year. They lost 2-1 to one at Florida on Sunday. They got on the board first and then gave up two second-half goals. So Alabama women's soccer now 1-2 and two on the year. Men's and women's golf here in Tuscaloosa opened their season this week, starting Monday at the Blessings Collegiate Invitational in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That tournament's going on Monday through Wednesday, so catch them in action beginning their seasons right now as we speak, as we're recording. And then a reminder that the Alabama football game kicks off, as we mentioned, with Parrish 5 p.m., ESPN in Oxford and Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, around 16,000 fans. So that's what's to be expected in that game. Alabama, obviously a double-digit favorite. Nick Saban, 20-0 against former assistants. And Nick Saban obviously has a very, very good record um, in SEC games on the road. So looking forward to that game, and we'll recap it next week for you here on the Galloway Podcast. But until then... Galloway Podcast, episode 53, where today we went around the SEC scoreboard. We talked with Parrish Alford. We went around Alabama athletics and want to thank you for listening to the Galloway Podcast. Reminder to check out WVUA 23 on the weekends at 10 p.m. for my sportscast Saturday and Sunday nights. Also tune in Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. for Crimson Tide kickoff as Gary Harris and Julia Westerman and Stu McCann and I take you through an Alabama football preview show. That's 11 a.m. Saturdays on WVUA 23 this fall during the football season. I want to thank you for listening to the Galloway Podcast. I want to remind you we have comfort colors, T-shirts, tumblers, coffee mugs, golf towels, game day stickers. I've got all the merchandise you need. Send me a DM at WM underscore Galloway on Twitter. I can get you hooked up with some Galloway Podcast merchandise. The Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.